0: welcome to the podcast where i sit down with interesting people in and around fashion we talk about the industry we talk about trending topics and we hopefully have a bit of a laugh while we do so this episode includes explicit content hello and welcome to episode two of the podcast and today i have the doll himself sean garrett aesthetician. Skincare expert and global beauty ambassador. Yes. For some very, very luxury brands.
1: Very good brands.
0: I'm excited to have you here today. And um, I'm also excited because... Luxury, fashion, and beauty and skincare are so intrinsically linked Mm -hmm. because, I mean, there's such a focus on it for the runways, the looks that accompany Mm -hmm. the outfits and all of that. It all marries together. Mm -hmm. And of course, all of these... Luxury brands or the majority are trying to weasel their way into beauty a little bit more. Yeah. Cough Prada Beauty, cough.
1: I really want to try the Prada Beauty.
0: I really want you to try it I've because been, like, I know that you're going to tell us if it's really worth it. Honestly,
1: I've been dying for Prada to launch beauty. And I remember I said this like five years ago and i was like, that makes no sense for them. And mm. now look.
0: Here we go.
1: I really want to try the skincare. I was going to buy it because I know they're not going to send it to me. I know They not. should be ashamed. Like I would love to try. The packaging is so good. I know.
0: That's the thing. It's like the Beautiful. silvery chrome yes. gloriousness. And it's mixed
1: metal. I like that.
0: I know. I like that too. I like that. So, I want us to do a little bit of a deep dive into okay. your career history. Starting off with this is your second foray into the city of New York.
1: Yes. And my last.
0: <laughs> and I want to talk about the first time because I believe that what brought you here in the first place was fashion. Yes. Tell us about that.
1: So when I was younger, I always wanted to work in fashion. Mm -hmm. Like, I just loved... Clothes, I loved beauty. And I grew up with, like, loving beauty, too. Like, skincare, makeup, fragrance. Mm -hmm. But I grew up in, like, a very fashionable household. So I was obsessed with, like, all things beauty. Because to me, fashion was, like, a transformational thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it could make you into, like, who you really were inside. It was, like, a reflection of how you feel.
0: Yes.
1: And I was obsessed with, like, Rachel Zoe Project. Mm -hmm. Like, that was, like, my show on Bravo.
0: Legendary.
1: And... I just always loved fashion. Like, my original dream, because I went to school for fashion originally, Mm -hmm. um, my original dream was to be, like, the creative director of W Magazine. And I got the chance to move to New York through a family friend. Mm -hmm. He actually was, like, my nanny when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, the most chaotic (laughs) move I ever had. It was so chaotic. Like, I mean... From, like, the time I landed in New York, mind you, I only moved here with, like, maybe $800. Okay. So, I mean, this is, like, very dark. But, like, my grandmother died. Oh, I'm sorry. My great-grandmother, Katie. Rest in peace. Hey, girl. Um, And we were at her funeral. mm -hmm. And, like, this family friend who was, like, really not even family friend. It's like, it is family. Mm -hmm. Like, I've known Mm -hmm. them since I was young. Yeah. And my mom, he had lived in New York. He's from New York. And he had moved back to New York. And my mom was like, Sean wants to move to New York. You know, like, do you think you could, like, you know, take him in? Because I was really at a place where, like, I was just, like, lost and I was floating. I moved to Atlanta when I was 17.
0: Okay. Like,
1: going back. So, when I turned 17, I graduated high school. Like, two weeks after I graduated high school, I moved to Atlanta by myself. ATL. ATL. And I went to, like, the Art Institute and... My grades were, like, not good enough to, like, get into SCAD or, like, FIT. So this was, like, my Mm -hmm. entryway. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And I did really, really well. Like, my grades were incredible. And I also discovered, like, my love of art history while I was in that school. And I went to Morgan State University, which is, like, one of, like, the most popular HBCUs in um, the States. Mm -hmm. And, girl, I fucking hated that school. (laughs) Why? I am not honestly, I love to learn mm-hmm. not in the classroom. A big university is not mm-hmm. for me and I excelled mm-hmm. so much in my original um school. Because it, it was bit like more a private, yeah. Maybe smaller classes exactly. all of that. Okay. Like, it was like an art school like all of the majors there were, like, classical painting, yes. classical drawing, sculpting, um, fashion design, fashion illustration. I was taking fashion illustration and fashion design mm-hmm. because I was a um, like illustrator when I was young. I used to do, like, a little fashion. Things. Yes, girl. So, I'm
0: obsessed.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like nobody knows this about me. But, like, I used to be, like, I used to go to art schools and art programs during the summer. Mm-hmm. And my passion was... Fashion, but I expressed it through drawings. Yes. And so I would draw like collections and I remember like my favorite girl girl at the time was Girls Aloud. And I Sound like, of the
0: Underground. Yes, sound of
1: the Underground. Oh
0: my gosh. Yes. Cheryl.
1: Yes. Cheryl Cole, Nadine, <gasps> my girls, Nicola. Yes. Yes. Those were oh my, are my gosh. girls. I can't tell you how many times I watched the out of control tour DVD. I can do the girl, don't, Like, don't, don't make me. Like, don't. Like, I'll. I will lose my shit. Oh my like, gosh! Listen, girls I've got Aloud. to see
0: that though. At some point, well, I've I mean, got, I've got to see the whole routine.
1: I mean, you can, <laughs> like, call the shots. Yes, can't speak French. I only sing the live version, so if like it ever comes on, I only I do all of Nadine's Specifics. runs. Specific.
0: This I is incredible. All, I do all of
1: Nadine's runs and riffs and ad libs. Like, girls allowed was like my.
0: Wow. Drew. We've, we've gone off topic. Take okay. us back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I got, so you
0: hated uni. So
1: I hated uni. And I remember like at one point, like I was like so broke too. I was like, I'm just going to finish this semester so I can get like my refund check. Because, <laughs> And I actually remember exactly what I spent that check on. Like I used to be like a top man. I mean I'm I'm a UK doll, like literally. Top man. I used to go to Top Man, get my little like fake um chains. I used to get my Turns little
0: Jeanette green. What was it like Doesn't those matcha.
1: little um yes? <laughs> I used to get, like, all my, all my denim used to be Top Man. I used to have, like, the, all the Doc Martin loafers. I will never forget. I had these Doc Martin, like, um, brogues. Okay. And this was, like, when the Prada brogue was out. Oh, yes. And so Doc Martin had, to like, their own version. It had, like, a hot pink sole. Girl, I will never forget. <laughs> I bought them, wore them to school. And I never had Doc Martins before. Mm-hmm. My feet were bloody.
0: I, I was about to say.
1: Bloody by the end of the day. Oh and I don't think gosh. I even wore socks. Listen. I was...
0: Those Dr.
1: Martins are hard.
0: Girl. Yeah. I used to walk, eat I into. walked around
1: campus and I swear to God, like my feet were bloody. And you were like, I've
0: committed that. I was like I've got to see it through.
1: No, and I kept those shoes for years, years, <laughs> <was just> years, years, <laughs> years. But going back. Yeah. <laughs> so this was like around 2012, 2013. Okay. We we're like at my grandmother's funeral and my family's like a very close knit. Mm-hmm. And so once like one of us, like, decides something, my whole family gets involved. Okay. And so we had, like, a whole family meeting about if I'm going to move to New York or not.
0: I kind of love that. That's the cutest thing. I
1: know, but, like, my family is so overprotective of me that, like, it was when I moved to New York, every week, someone's called me, you need to come home, you need to come home, you need to come home. (laughs) And I was like, you know, I probably do because the shit was falling apart. But I was determined to, like, stick it out. Yeah. So I had got, like, a little job at Banana Republic mm-hmm. and I was like a visual merchandiser there oh. and I was like oh this that was like my first like fashion, Experi- fashion yeah.
0: experience fashion yeah. experience
1: and I loved it because like I would come in and like dress the women and because mm-hmm. Banana Republic was like it was fab like we used to have like collabs with like Millie and you know all like little like New York yes. designers Jason Wu and stuff yeah. like that and I saved up enough money I mean I worked there for like a whole year I only saved $800 girl And I was like, yes, like, this is going to get me to New York. (laughs) And I took my ass to New York. I packed one suitcase. Mm -hmm. That's all I had. My Doc Martens, my Top Man pieces. They made it through. Okay. And my Google Maps, everything. You are like,
0: listen, I don't need anything else. I don't need anything else. I'm here to conquer New York. No, like, I
1: thought I was Whitney Port on the city, on MTV, and I was about to work at People's Revolution, and I was going to be the next fashion star.
0: Exactly. That did
1: not fucking happen.
0: So how did it it go so left?
1: So I moved to New York. The apartment was not what it was... Explained to me what it was. You were catfish. I was... Oh, girl. No, I was more than cat. I was (laughs) dogfished. Like, it was... Something else, and it was in the Bronx, and I love the Bronx, and mm-hmm. I honestly think that experience made me love the Bronx Okay. because, like, I learned how to like build community very quickly. Long story short, the mm-hmm. person I was living with got arrested.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, I understand. I understand her
1: got arrested. Your New
0: York experience, and as it
1: just went. It may was... I
0: ask the charges?
1: Girl, I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say.
0: And we'll
1: move on. Yes, we will move on. And it was it was a hot ass mess. So I was now living in the Bronx by myself, mm-hmm. and I had found a job. I was a visual merchandiser at Ann Taylor Loft.
0: Okay, yes.
1: And again, like I thought, I was like a fashionista. Like I thought I was going to go in there, mm-hmm. turn this out, style my own outfits, and I quickly realized that is not what corporate fashion is. And so it's like I was being told what I had to style, how to do it, and like I had like what's
0: been approved, yes.
1: And I had like a great visual merchandising manager, Mm -hmm. and she would like let me have like little sections to be able to, like play with, and but it's like it's only so much you could do. Mm -hmm. Also, this Ann Taylor Loft was right across the street from Grand Central Station. Okay, I wonder if it's still there. Um, But it was like the busiest loft. Yeah. So like we would come in all pretty by the end of my shift, like, it was trashed. Trashed. (laughs) And I quickly learned about New York is that, like, everybody works but nobody has a damn job because it's, like, 11 o'clock in the morning and it's 78 people in a store (laughs) and I'm, like, confused because back home... to be
0: somewhere. Literally. Yeah.
1: Like, back home, like, you would take the morning shift, especially retail because nobody was in the store. Yeah. So, you know, you would just, like, you know, be on Twitter or something, (laughs) you know, like, my dear business but not in New York and at the same time as I worked at and the Loft, I also worked at this showroom called Mana Mana. Mm-hmm. It was a Japanese showroom, and they had offices in Soho. Now, this is tea, okay? Because I was, like, the last of my friend group to move to New York at the time. And none of them are my friends anymore. But. <laughs> I'll talk to none of those bitches no more. <laughs> but, like, I was, like, the last of my friends. Okay. And. They were all like, um, I really wanted to work at this place. Mm-hmm. And my friend Henry, um, he was like a photographer, he used to photograph, not photograph,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the like um, new pieces we would come in. Okay. So Mana, like we would carry like all like the high-end designers mm-hmm. and it was a showroom where actresses, stylists, editors could come pull clothes for photo shoots and um, red carpets and things like that. Okay. And... He was like, oh, you should, like, intern here. And I was like, okay, like, I don't have a real fashion resume, though. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, I'll just make you one. So, on my resume, I allegedly worked for Oscar de la Renta. Oh, hello. Ricardo Tishi, Tis- oh. Alexander Wang. Um, Altuzara. Uh, like.
0: You name it. You've you had your fingers in one, of, in one listen, of their successes. I had a
1: stint at Teen Vogue. Hey, Anna. Like, it was...
0: Girl, I love we it.
1: curated the fuck out of that.
0: Listen, resume. You got the job
1: there, the, but they knew my shit was fake yeah. because when I went to the interview, <laughs> when I went to the interview, it was Halloween, so it was a joke for real. And <laughs> it, I came was, in there every. It
0: was the trickiest. It was the trickiest. Of the was
1: trick trickiest okay, I got a trick and a treat because the resume was a treat for sure, and it was a trick for all of us. And I sat down, had my resume, and who. Now, who's, like, one of my best friends of, like, 10 years, um, Vaughn, he introduced me. I mean, actually, he interviewed me. And he, girl, he was looking at that resume, and he was just like, okay. Like, oh, yeah, I also put out, uh, oh, my God. I also put that I, I was a fashion intern at V Magazine. And that I worked for Carlene Surf. Oh, my, my gosh. Oh, Yes, like, I was, I mean, a liar. You've
0: been, you've been around.
1: A liar. Like, <laughs> and mind you, I'm like, 21 at the time. Yeah. So are like, well, damn. You know, like, why the hell you want to work here? Like, it don't make no sense. You want to work at this little, this little small Japanese showroom. <laughs> and you was at V Magazine, Alexander Wang, Oscar de la Renta for free. <laughs> I ended up getting the job just because mm-hmm. they liked me. That was, like, my job, like, I think, like, three or four times a week. Okay. So, like, from, I would be at Antella Loft at maybe, like, 5 a.m. Okay. And I would be there to maybe, like, I think, 12 or one. And then-, and then I would take the six to Soho on spring street and go to mana. And i would be there till like six or 7. PM. Okay. And so like literally my work days, like started at maybe like three, 4 AM. And I didn't yeah. get home till like 8 PM sometimes. Okay. So I was really like hustling. Uh, yeah. And on top of that, I was like assisting styling and I was running a blog and like, I was on a mission. Mm-hmm. Like I, Just wanted to work in fashion so bad. Yeah. And it was, like, an incredible experience because, like, I met, like, friends of a lifetime there. Mm -hmm. And, like, even my boss at the time, Kari, like, she's still, like, my mom in New York. Like, the most amazing woman. She still supports me. Mm -hmm. And I got to do, like, some amazing things. Like, um, one of our clients, Atsukuro...
0: We, oh, yeah. We carried
1: her. And so we actually um, styled, helped style the Pretty Hurts video for Beyonce. And that was the same year it came out. So that day at work was like fab. Because it was like oh, my gosh, one of our could. clients. It was in a previous video when she wore like all those latex bodysuits, yes. like the beauty pageant yes. things. Yes. So we did that. Um, we used to pull for like Kerry Washington. That latex. Girl. Hell. Hell. To get
0: into and out of. Hell. I bought a pair of Atsuko Kudo leggings.
1: It's like you have to like mentally prepare and like physically prepare Uh, yourself for latex.
0: 100%. Like it's
1: in You have to baby oil it down. Yeah. You have to powder your body.
0: You have to loop yourself up. Yes. Try it. And even then, you're not sliding in like a seal.
1: Absolutely not. No. You're there. Absolutely not.
0: 15, 20 minutes to put it on. And then, God forbid, you start to sweat, and you have to
1: oil it throughout the day. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And then you sit down, and you can feel a sweat. <laughs>
1: so yeah, crap. you're like, you're like, it's like a puddle of sweat.
0: Literally it's
1: disgusting. No effort for it to go. No.
0: But so, shout out to those girls wearing latex. Listen, shout out to you those do things girls. things I couldn't. At it was a mess. What point were you like? I've got to get out now. At what point was it like?
1: Well, I, I have to, to get out because I had. Three jobs, but only one paid. <laughs> so, mm,
0: and that'll do it. My
1: roommate that went uh, to yes. jail came back. Okay. And then they went back to jail. <laughs> and this time they went to Rikers. Oh, god. And so I had no way to pay the rent. And yeah. they told me like the rent was paid up and the rent was not paid up. Oh, dear. And um, I have like an eviction notice. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. And every day my family was calling me, and talking about, you need to move, you need to leave. And I was just so determined. Yeah. And the thing that I like I live my life is like since I was like young, I always have felt like cameras were following me. And so I always have been like, like, this is like the TV show of my life. And it, like it's it what's it what keeps me going.
0: I like like that in the though. morning,
1: like when I'm like in the morning getting ready, it's like I'm literally having like my housewives confessional. I'm I, like, Sean, how do you feel today? Like, what do you is doing? This is the best way
0: to live though. Literally. Because it means that you are. On those days when you're maybe feeling not so hot, Mm -hmm. you are forcing yourself to put your best foot forward either way, and then in turn you feel better.
1: Yes, but also I used to be a little psychotic with it though, because like
0: you were like, we haven't had enough drama this season. Well, I mean, like literally, let me sometimes you don't even do things for the plot. The dominoes on Lowery. You know, like when you
1: like people say, I "Do it for the plot." Yeah. Oh, I'm the queen of that shit. Like, I do it for the plot, the season, the renewal. The pickup, like I, I'm I, getting renewed. Yeah, I'm getting renewed. Okay, Bravo Andy's gonna see my ass. Okay, but it got to a point where like I just could not sustain myself in New York anymore, and it just became like a a very real thing. Yeah, and also I was just exhausted. Like I, I was imagine. like I was I was hustling in like a circle. Yeah, like I wasn't really going anywhere. Okay, yeah, and I didn't really have time to. The mm-hmm. thing like about New York is. It's like a place where you can make your dreams come true, but it's not an easy place. And I think when Absolutely everyone knows that, but like, mm-hmm. it's like an understatement. It's really hard to sustain yourself in New York and to be able to live and feed yourself and pay bills and also chase your dreams. It's a very tough thing to do. Yeah. And so I was, and you'll like, see like, this is like a a common thread with me is like, once I decide that like, I need to regroup, I will leave. Regroup, figure out a new plan, and go for it again. It's like home is always my safe place. Yes. You know, I ended up leaving and I went back home to Baltimore. That wasn't easy either because I I felt like a failure. I really felt like a failure. I was like really depressed for a while. Mm -hmm. And I got home, I had no money and I had no phone.
0: And the $800 had gone.
1: I mean, like, I was. No, Cassie, like, I was poor when I moved home. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to figure out, like, what my next move was. Yeah. And that's honestly how I found my way into beauty is because I found a job at Alta. I used to, like, again, have, like, a long commute mm-hmm. to where I had to literally, like, get up, oh, my God, like, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., like, to get to this damn job. And at the same time, I had met, like, my sugar daddy, <laughs>
0: You know what? I (laughs) I wrote down like you know I want to know about the career blah blah blah. I'm learning layers (laughs) to you, and I am fascinated with every single one. Oh my god, I've lived a life. Truly, you've lived about five. No, I really
1: have. (laughs) I really have. It's like I met like my sugar daddy at the time, Mm -hmm. and where is he now? I don't. Oh, he's in New Orleans now. Oh. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like his mom passed away. So he came into like a lot more money. Mm, that would have
0: been the time.
1: Yeah. The last time I, he used to like stalk me on Instagram. Oh. He would like DM me from like a faceless account all the time. Mm-hmm. I think the last time I saw him, he sent me a picture of like his new Rose Voice. And it was like white. But he had like leopard print shoes and it just made my stomach turn. And so I just blocked him again. <laughs> like I just, I couldn't do it. Like it was a lot. It's weird. Like how you change as a person. Yes. Like, I know I just used to think of, like, thinking back to, like, who I used to be and,
0: mm-hmm. like, who
1: I am now. And it's, like, it's common threads yes. of, like, who I was. Mm-hmm. But i make like, I was so hectic and, like, chaotic in my 20s. Like, I was just trying to, like, figure my life out. Like, was just throwing things, trying to figure out what stuck. But
0: that's the time to do it. Absolutely. That is the time to fail Mm -hmm. and try everything Mm -hmm. because you're only going to know until you when you do it right or else you're going to be there and you're going to be like oh I wonder if things would have been different if I've done this and that as a
1: Virgo like it's detrimental to like your (laughs) self-esteem like to like keep having dreams and like hopes and goals and feel like they're failing Mm -hmm. like I don't know, like, I literally feel like I was cursed for, like, so many years. And I think that's such, like, I mean, maybe, like, a little juvenile way of thinking about it. Mm. Because you don't really know how, like, life works at, like, 21, 22. And it's like, you know, these are, like, growing pains of figuring out your life. Because once I figured out my path, like...
0: Everything Everything
1: came through. Like, Mm -hmm. my path to where I'm at now has been such a smooth sailing compared to, like, where I was before. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, like, a testament to, like, finding your path and your journey of, like, life and, like, where... You're You're being led to, like, where you're Mm -hmm. meant to be. Because once I left fashion and chose beauty, every door opened for me. You know, like, I kept thinking, I'm going to get back to New York. I'm going to get back to New York. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I'm going to start doing makeup because I was like, I want to start doing, like, photo shoots for, like, styling. And I was like, but I don't have money to do a makeup artist. So if I can style and do makeup, like, that's two talents, two Two skills that I have. Two
0: birds, one stone.
1: Exactly. But I ended up loving makeup. Mm -hmm. And I don't know when I got to a point where I was like, I... Fashion is no longer my dream. Mm -hmm. But I did get to that point. Okay. Because, I mean, even when I was working in New York and, like, I was assisting stylists and working at the showroom, I really wasn't getting paid any money. Mm -hmm. And just seeing how, like, people were treated in fashion, especially at that time. Like, I remember when I moved to New York, like, I had lost almost, like, 150 pounds the year before that. Because I was like, I cannot be fat in New York.
0: Oh. Especially
1: like at that time in fashion. Oh, oh my
0: gosh. I was yes. like, I'm not
1: gonna be able to work. Like I'm already black, which was like a thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't be fat and black and gay and broke. Like I just can't be all give me the quadruple hit. So I was like, you know, I gotta be one. I gotta at least eliminate one thing. I still didn't get any jobs. And I think when people think of fashion mm-hmm. today, it was completely different back then. Fat phobia was a real thing. Transphobia was a real thing. Yeah. Like colorism and racism, that was a real thing in the industry. And obviously it still is today. Yeah. But it was more apparent in your face and like, people you know, they would do it and they wouldn't really... Give oh a damn God. about you it,
0: would, you would watch like TV shows from yes, early 2000s, it's like
1: Ugly Betty. And oh like, my gosh, you know, watching
0: Ugly Betty now it's like is like triggering and traumatizing, very much so. I mean, and
1: like when, them, when they fixed her, like they just gave her a side bang. I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's it, that's okay. all it takes. I just can't have a blunt bang, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm a bad bitch. Like, okay,
0: <laughs> no, but exactly, it was just so overt. It
1: was, it was like something that, like. I always, like, aware of. It was,
0: it was always in the back of Always
1: mind. aware of. Yeah. And I feel like that was also a part of it, of why I've, like, I lost my interest in fashion. Mm-hmm. And then I think as I got older, I realized that, like, just because I love something, like, I still love fashion today. Yeah. But now it's, like, I love it in a different way because always I can afford the things that I want. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, I can still enjoy fashion and, you know, have those things and have those experiences. That yes. doesn't have to be, like, my life. And that was, like, the biggest learning lesson I had because then I opened myself up to beauty and beauty was like a safe space for me because I saw makeup artists and, um, you know, people of all sizes, all, you know, races and shapes and everything. It mm-hmm. was like, you know, like Pat McGrath, you know, yeah. she's like a plus size black woman who was yeah. running, um, beauty and was one of the An only black makeup icon. artists for the longest time. Like yeah. a literally icon. Worked at Ulta. And then I read at a few altars. And I went to Atlanta for a bit because my whole family moved and I went back to Maryland and I worked at a spa and that was like the game changer for Uh me. And that's when I was like, oh, like this is what an esthetician is. is what a facialist is. But again, I was like kind of confronted with like not feeling myself represented in it because I worked at a spa and it was all, I mean, beautiful Polish and like Russian women. Mm -hmm. And they were like, 23. And I remember this one woman named Paulina. I was mm-hmm. like, I was, I was obsessed with her. She was like this Polish um, facialist. And everybody wants to go to Paulina. She was okay. like the quarterly queen. She loved quarterly DMK. At the same time, I'm like, okay, I want to be a facialist. I want to be an esthetician. Yeah. But then I was like, I was like, I don't think that I could be, I think like, I could go back to school. Mm-hmm. Because at that time I was like living on my own. And I didn't really have the same family financial support. Mm-hmm. and. I just didn't think it could be something that could happen. Okay. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on makeup. Mm-hmm. And again, also I didn't see any, I didn't know any black estheticians. And the black estheticians I did see when they worked in spas, they were like relegated to only doing nails.
0: Okay, right. And so it was like a so it very... So not any of like the facials? No. And, okay.
1: No. And I think like it's changed a lot in spas, but... Mm-hmm. In those specific kind of luxury spas, the black women would always be pushed to, like, manicures and pedicures. They were never, like, the sought-after facialists at that time. Because the woman who owned my spa, mm-hmm. like, fast forwarding, when I did become an esthetician mm-hmm. and I went back home, I was like... Because she loved me when I was there yeah. doing makeup and I was, like, working the front desk. And I almost got fired, like, three times. <laughs> Horrible receptionist. <laughs> <laughs> and I like reached out for a job, and she basically was like, she doesn't think her clients would want to be touched by me. <laughs> Literally. She's like, I don't think my clients would want to be touched by you, by like a man. And she really was saying, like, you know, like a black man. And then I'm gay on top. It was just like, oh, okay. Okay. Mind you, that like goes against all labor laws.
0: I am, you know? Yeah, exactly. Sue her.
1: But I you know am what? Horrified. When I graduated school, and, um, Atlanta, because I went to a school in Atlanta, it was the same thing. Like, I could not get, which is why I moved back to Baltimore, because I could not get a job in Atlanta.
0: Okay, so then how did you come back to New York for round two?
1: So, New York round two was- Season two. Season two of The Sean Show. Yeah. Um, it was, like, really interesting. So, basically, when I had moved back to Baltimore, after I became an esthetician, I came with no money. Mm-hmm. Again, broke as hell. Hell. And so I was determined to like make my own way and figure it out. The thing was while I was in Estheticians, where I started my Instagram. And so mm-hmm. I already was building a following. I had like um, a pretty like loyal social media following. Mm-hmm. Like blogging and like posting about beauty was like a very new thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like one of the first to do that. Also on Twitter. Yes. Which I kind of was like one of like the starting group of people who kind of started like Um, skincare Twitter. Yeah. And it was really like mostly black estheticians like leading this um, charge about like providing people with information on skin health, Mm -hmm. telling them like the best skincare products, how to treat acne, how to treat hyperpigmentation. Yeah. Information that was never like as readily available and kind of told in layman's terms to like the public. Mm -hmm. And through that, through my social media following, when I worked at the spa, I quickly built my book really quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I had girls coming from – I was based in Baltimore, but I had girls coming from D.C., which was like two hours away. Yeah. um, Virginia, North Carolina. Like, people were traveling like an hour, two hours just to come get a facial from me because they trusted my advice on social media.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And at that point, I was booked in – busy, and I was had the highest numbers, the most amount of clients, and my social media was growing. I started partying with brands like um, Polish Choice, mm-hmm. and um, I think like Murad, and like other brands, CeraVe, which yeah. I, I still work with, with today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the spa that I worked with, it was just horrible. Like, they were just horrible people. I mean, I, I quit in a very dramatic way. <laughs> in a very dramatic way. I won't even get into that. I won't incriminate myself. But... <laughs> Um, I ended up leaving, mm-hmm. and from there I had like um told like my followers like I'm no longer there, okay. and I was gonna focus on um virtual consults okay. and I was like first time I ever do like online consults, so basically like I create like a little intake form on canva
0: love it. Canva is I an mean, underrated tool.
1: Canva was like the foundation of like entrepreneurs True. because I created my intake forms on there. And literally like people pay me $50 to give them skincare advice. That $50, I had like 200 clients, literally just from Twitter alone.
0: Wow. And then
1: when I started posting it on like my Instagram, yeah. I started getting more people. And I was focusing on just creating content, building my brand relationships and doing these online calls co- online consults. Yeah. And the goal was to like work at another spa, but also to possibly open my own place. Mm-hmm. So I had met this girl Lily through Twitter. And she was um opening a she was also an esthetician, but she was a nurse before and she became an esthetician. And she was like, I'm opening this um little spa space in Long Island City. And I think like I would love for you to do it with me. Cause mm-hmm. she was also going back to school. So She couldn't be in the spa as much. Okay. So it would be like an empty space, like half of the week. Yeah. She offered me the space and we had this little like spa together. That's where I really built like my New York like name, like Mm -hmm. my New York presence. Yeah. I literally went on legal Zoom, registered my business. Yeah. um, Ordered all my product and had a move date. And my move date was... Uh, it was supposed to be like December 2019, but then I uh, didn't officially move into uh, January 2020, the curse of the year
0: 2020.
1: <laughs> I was about to say. Me, we both hustled. And, I mean, when the pandemic hit, it was insane. Yeah. It was really insane. But I was doing so – it was like the most money I made in my life at that time. Mm-hmm. Girl, at that time, I was only making like $4,000 a month. But, like, mm-hmm. that was like a – no, a lot yeah, amount exactly. of money. I mean, going from like, you know, my checks at the spa at the time was like, I mean, if my check was like $1,000 after taxes, like, chef's kiss, like, I thought yeah. I was like a rich bitch. But now, um, working for myself, mm-hmm. like, it was, it was like, it was so. Like, what's the word like rewarding. it was like rewarding yeah. yeah like it was like oh my god like I'm like I'm doing it yeah and to be doing it in New York for a second time was mm-hmm. like it was surreal for me and New York the second time around was so different because I was like a di- I was a different person yeah like I had I had built relationships in New York I had friends in New York now I had um a social circle so mm-hmm. I was being more active and being more social and building relationships and networking i remember i went to my first brands event and yeah and then i got the pandemic happened Mm -hmm. and i started doing virtual consults again yeah to make that money Mm -hmm. but while i was doing while the pandemic happened i low-key was so happy Like, I was so happy that it happened. Because
0: it gave you time to rest. It
1: gave me time to rest and reflect because while (laughs) I was, like, grinding so hard, I knew I did not want to be an esthetician full time. But I didn't know how to get the fuck out of that spa. Mm -hmm. And I did not know how I was going to make the money to get out of the spa. And I was making a little money doing, like, um, brand deals and things like that. Mm -hmm. And some of my brand deals would be what I made in a month at the spa. And so I was like, okay, like, we need to figure out how to make this a thing. And, oh, my God, it just reminded me. I need what? to renew my license.
0: <laughs> put that in your phone.
1: No, I literally, honestly, I need to renew my esthetician's license. It expires on the 31st, okay? Well, I need you, to do no, that. Honestly, put no, it in I, yeah, okay. <laughs> Hey, Siri.
0: So you knew that you didn't really want to be an esthetician. No, I
1: didn't want to be. So I wanted to be an esthetician, but I did not want to. I'm going to do that to be my full time job. Yeah. Because the thing about being an esthetician is like, I thought, I don't know why, but I thought like working for myself would be different from a nine to five. And it's not because Mm -hmm. I had to set my own schedule because I had to, I'm now in control of how much money I make. Yeah. So I had to set my own hours, my own schedule. And obviously I want to make the most money. Mm -hmm. So of course I'm going to work from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Because, you know, I want to make the most money and I want to see the most clients. Yeah. But I was seeing so many clients at one point, like I was really like exhausted. And this was before like my Uber only policy because I mean – I I don't take the train anymore. And I, I don't take the bus or anything.
0: Wait. So, so you have an Uber-only policy?
1: Yeah. Well, like a car-only policy. I don't take the train.
0: Coming from your $800 to, in <laughs> your pocket to your car-only policy. I you've
1: know. made it, my love.
0: Haven't I? Yeah.
1: Listen, I knew I made it when I saw that Uber bill, girl. <laughs> I said, oh, hell yeah. You're making some damn money. Okay. <laughs> um... And I know I still love being an esthetician. I love being a facialist and I love connecting with clients. But when that's like your everyday job, it takes a lot on you. One, physically, Mm -hmm. like my carpal tunnel, like fibromyalgia and arthritis runs in my family. And so I already have dealt with like pain, especially in my joints and my hands and doing facials so often. And the thing is, girls will still travel to come see me. So a lot of my clients from Baltimore actually come to New York for the day Mm -hmm. and get facials from me. And they, of course, will book a two-hour facial because yeah. they're like, "I'm going to get yeah. the most out of this experience." <laughs> and so, like, using your hands, seeing eight clients back to back yeah. for two hours, hour and a half, it's a lot yeah. on you physically, mm-hmm. and then also emotionally and mentally. Yeah, you know, like I used to call myself like a skin therapist because, like, when people come into my chair, they would like, and I don't want to say like trauma dump because it comes comes across like no. negative. You know, like when you're your hairstylist, your mm-hmm. manicurist, they know Listen, all your secrets. Let me
0: tell you. My nail tech and I, <laughs> for the four to five hours I am there, yeah. it is talking the whole time. The fact that you're there and for I,
1: four to five hours, I could not. She's so used I, would, I would have to do press ons. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, like,
0: listen, I, I go out for lunch, I spin. Like, it, it's, it's a leisurely, no. it's a leisurely Like, I have experience. to break up my
1: manis and petties because I cannot be in the salon more than like an hour and a half. Like,
0: what? Part of the reason why I'm there is she is my pseudo therapist mm-hmm. because I'll be like, this is what's happening. And yeah. then I know the ins and outs of her, Absolutely. of her family and all of this. And Absolutely. every time it's like, right, and at that we time, like, to get into it?
1: At that time I had like celebrity clients. I had girls that were heads of production companies, yeah. t- television yes. networks, yeah. music executives. And they're like, I mean, everything. <laughs> Some people just come see me just to relax. Yeah. But it's like, I'm not relaxing. It's like getting a
0: massage. Yes. Yeah.
1: But it's like, I'm not relaxing. Yeah. And to like, I would have to, I had to learn how to like clear the energy in my space after everyone left. Mm-hmm. Not because it was negative, but because it was like a lot of energy to receive throughout the day. Once the pandemic happened, literally, um, maybe a month into the um, the thing.
0: <laughs> the Rona. <laughs> the panty. Yeah.
1: Um, I got a call from Fenty Beauty. About them wanting to meet with me. And I was like, oh, they want to send me products. I'm like, finally, these bitches are realizing, you know, like who I am. Cause I was like, I never my got. My time has come. Yeah, like, my time has come. Like, I'm finally getting on the PR list. That was a really interesting job for me because it was my, it was the first kind of job I've ever had of that. And it was re- honestly, Fenty was really like the leaders of kind of this like aesthetician, skin expert at a brand thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And they okay. really,
1: Like, it's been popular with, like, more makeup artists. But, like, you have, like, you know, Diane Kendall for NARS and Pat McGrath for, you know, Dior and Peter Phillips for Dior and Chanel. The Fenty thing, when they first approached me, they approached me as Fenty Beauty. And then when we got on the phone call, they were like, just kidding. We're actually Fenty Skin. Mm -hmm. Because it was, like, rumblings of Fenty Skin. remember I was tweeting. I was like, I have to be on that. (laughs) Like, I have to be on that team. I have to find some kind of way to work with Fenty. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even thinking about, like, on, like, a a global ambassador thing, which I became. But I just was like, girl, I just want to do a video. Like, (laughs) I just want the products, you know?
0: Just send me a PR I want to just come to, you
1: know, the press events. You know, I want to see my icon, you know, launch this new brand. I said that I wanted to work for Fenty and Dior. Those are the two brands that I put in my manifestation journal.
0: And and the two brands I ended
1: up. and um Fenty that was a very like it was a tough job for me because it was almost like working at like the first
0: time that you're doing something like the that. first time
1: I was doing something like that and the first time any brand had really done something in that way
0: so you felt a bit of outside pressure
1: absolutely yeah I felt a lot of outside pressure and then I also felt triggered and like got like flashbacks of like when I first entered fashion and how I was so self-conscious about like my image and my body okay because now I'm like on a you know, on social media, that's yeah. my following. Like people follow me that love me, right? Yes, yeah. Now I'm on somebody else's platform.
0: What a, yeah. who
1: can judge my body, my mm-hmm. looks. And then when you work for a celebrity, the people around them are always nitpicked the most. And so okay. like I remember my first yes. video, it went great, but then like as people caught on, it was like, why would you hire this fat bitch, like this ugly person, like so many better people, like you know, trolls Yeah. that felt like I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. I feel like I really did represent that brand in the best way that I could. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's apparent that I did because not one person who has tried to replace me at that brand has done what I've done there. And how I'm able to communicate a brand's vision to a consumer point Mm -hmm. and make it make sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think that
1: honestly is like an art and a skill that people kind of overlook
0: definitely and especially with something like skincare yes. where there is a level of education mm-hmm. that has to be given mm-hmm. and that is a part of the message absolutely right and so but exactly the brands will spit out like 94 percent of blah, blah blah in our clinical study exactly. said that their if moisture people, barrier was if blah people blah saw and it's like
1: my Dior briefs like they'll be like what the fuck is this <laughs> like it's the most like because at Dior's Polar opposite from Fenty because mm-hmm. Dior truly is a science-led brand.
0: Yes, it's yeah. like,
1: we have, like, our own, like, Dior science kind of part of Dior beauty. Mm-hmm. And we have, like, the most amazing team of science scientists, chemists. I mean, scientists that have won, like, Nobel Peace Prizes for, like, stem cell research, mm-hmm. floral science. We really do like, take the clinicals very seriously. Yeah. And so I have to take all of that scientific information and translate that into... A digestible soundbite for the consumers to understand.
0: Yeah, And exactly. that takes
1: a talent. Yeah. And it takes someone who also who knows skin, but also knows products. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing about me is that I've always loved products. I've yeah. always been interested in how things work into the skin. And that's what drove me to become an esthetician. And at Fenty, that was my job. But also, we were such a small team. I think I started with like four to six people. Okay. Um, including me. And then Rihanna and her team. Mm-hmm. And I was taking Rihanna's vision and what she wanted to see in the brand mm-hmm. and communicate that in a consumer way. Yeah. And then also make it fun and make it interesting. Mm-hmm. And then do everything in Rihanna's voice. You know, exactly. like I had to do it in like that kind of cool, chill, Caribbean doll kind of way. Yes. You know, like yes. everything had to be about, you know, like how Rihanna would communicate it. And now being at Dior, it's like it's a completely different vibe completely different um I mean I've never I've never felt like how I have a Dior at any other brand Hmm.
0: well so one of my questions was going to be what has then surprised you about working with a luxury brand like Dior you know like this is the pinnacle Mm -hmm. of designer skincare Mm -hmm. what surprised you
1: what surprised me was how much they loved me. <laughs> honestly. you like, I'm when I, to ruffle some feathers. Honestly, when I came to Dior, I mean, like, this is, like, a very, like, prestige luxury brand. Mm-hmm. And it was one that I always dreamed of working with. And, you know, I'm, it's, I'm still in a dream now when I think about, like, my job and how lucky and blessed I am. Like, we just did a shoot, like, two weeks ago. And I'm just like, girl, like, I'm here shooting for Dior Beauty. Like, it's, you know, know, it's a magical it's thing. It's a pinch me. And I, but I also had to, like, tell myself, that, you know, they're lucky to have me too. Yeah. You know, like, I'm also someone who is special and mm-hmm. gifted and smart. And recognize the thing, your own worth. Yes, and recognize my own worth to this brand. Mm-hmm. and. I think what's great at Dior is that they've always recognized my worth to the brand and they've always have given me my flowers. They've always supported me. Mm -hmm. I've always been open to ideas that I have and for such a large luxury brand to be that way and to always want to include me, you know, Mm -hmm. like my first time to Paris was with Dior, you know, and I sat front row at the fashion show and what
0: a way to experience Paris.
1: And I was there. I went to the, Reopening of 30 Montaigne, I got to see... Oh my God, I got... Didn't you
0: go to like see the archives? Yes,
1: I went to the archives. That's a dream of mine. Oh like little fashion, Sean, you know, like oh. when I was young, you know, dreaming of... Because again, like... He's my, so proud
0: of you. Honestly,
1: like my dream when I was young was Galeano Dior. Yeah. That was the pinnacle of fashion for me. Mm-hmm. And now going into the archive and seeing those pieces in my face, um, I mean like...
0: I've got goosebumps. And what I
1: love about Dior is they respect their history of their brand so much and they share it so openly with Mm -hmm. friends of the brand. Yeah. So like they let me run a fucking muck in that archive. I mean, I saw the first lady Dior perfume, the first um, Jajor perfume, the first makeup. I mean, little Mm -hmm. Christian Dior cigarettes that he used to give to his clients as gifts when they would buy couture. Mm -hmm. I mean, personal love letters from his lover, Mm -hmm. personal, Photos that no one has ever seen. Like, yeah. the thing that I love about being at Dior is, like, I'm working with, like, some of the most passionate people ever. And they, like, believe in, like, everything that they're doing. And mm-hmm. it doesn't feel transactional. Yeah. And it's, like, everything that you would, like, not... That you would think that a fashion brand isn't. Yes. It's flipped. You know, like you yeah. watch, you know, Emily in Paris. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. You
1: know, or Devil Wears Prada, and you yeah. think, you know, everyone is like that. And there are some aspects of that, you mm-hmm. know, in Paris and in fashion. But I can say, like, as an outsider now coming into like this family brand, yeah. um, I feel really supported and like loved. And it's been like really great. I'm like, I'm very I feel very lucky and I'm very grateful mm-hmm. for like. This like opportunity. You know, you don't see like little black boys from Baltimore be able to do these things yeah. often. Yeah. You know? So it's it's incredible for me.
0: I'm proud of you. Thank you. No, honestly. Thank you. So, another quick question I have. Mm-hmm. What is a skincare scam? Skincare this scam. This could be those LED face masks that make you look like those me. are not a scam. Okay. Those to are know. fab. Good to
1: know. I love an LED mask.
0: I'm going to pick uh, one up in a Black Friday sale because oh, no actually, way I'm spending I an, $500. I'll give you
1: one. I have like four. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Um.
0: There's me like trying to be a tight, <laughs> trying to be a tight sod like I'm not paying $500 for that. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the 20% no. off at Sephora.
1: They're so good. <laughs> what is a scam that mm-hmm. people kind of know now is like natural sunscreen. Like, people who like, make sunscreen are like coconut oil and things like that, and, like people carrot seed this? oil. Yeah. Okay, because okay. they have like natural, like
0: yeah, but UV not protecting to, but properties. But not to spf 50. No. Oh, dear. No, no,
1: no, no. Yeah. I think that's. That's a scam. like you're
0: stranded into the jungle and yeah. like we're clutching at straws. Quick fire game. Okay. That I have played with you previously, I shall admit. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say the name of a skincare brand mm-hmm. and you're going to give me one word to describe. That brand or the person that uses this pro- these products. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, I am going to kick it off with Estee Lauder.
1: Estee Lauder. One word. My grandmother. Clinique. Iconic. Oh, iconic. <laughs> that was
0: me. I was about to drop. Clinique them is through
1: the iconic. Mind. It okay. doesn't. The formulas don't work for me, mm-hmm. but it is an iconic brand. It's okay. how a lot of people learn how to have a skincare routine. Okay. The Fair
0: Clinique enough. Clinique
1: three step system. That's true. Yeah. Give
0: them that. Right, Charlotte Tilbury.
1: Oh, my God, Glamour. Caudalie. Caudalie. Um Grapes. <laughs> Laneige. Laneige. Um, oh, my God, Gen Z, but effective.
0: I really like it.
1: It's effective, but it leans more Gen Z-ish. Oh,
0: yeah, definitely. But Their marketing is very much yeah. that, but I've fallen for the it. The
1: cream skin I've put on...
0: It's millions of people. so on. good. So that good. is my go-to toner.
1: But the road glazing milk is kind of taking it.
0: It's replaced
1: <gasps> Lynette for me, I have to say. You're joking. Do
0: I need to get on to You now? do.
1: You do. At least that product.
0: Okay, yeah, because I tried some of the other roads good that was well.
1: Yeah, you didn't love?
0: It, I, I was just like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's not going to change whatever's yeah. going on already. I would
1: say, like, as, like, an esthetician, I do love that a brand like Road came out
0: mm-hmm.
1: only because like we do have brands like CeraVe that exist. Yes. But I do think.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's I kind of I like in the same
1: mean. vein, but I like that. Uh, it's very
0: gentle. Yes. Okay.
1: I think like she started off with like her like kind of core two mm-hmm. products, which is, like yeah. the glazing fluid and um, the moisturizer mm-hmm. and the um, lip. But I think the glazing fluid is more like indicative of like, what I want to see from the brand. Okay. So like innovative, like textures and products. Mm -hmm. Like it's a great multi-use product. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now I need that. You do. Um, Kiehl's.
1: Um, For white men. (laughs) Every white man I know.
0: My dad. Every white man I know. My dad. My dad's a Kiehl's man. Every white man I know. I will say one thing. Their gel moisturizer is a banger. I love it. If
1: I can be honest, Kiehl's has never been like that brand for me.
0: I just, I mean, the the branding is very like clinical. As in like, I mean, they have that skeleton with his lab coat on. Every (laughs) single Kiehl's you've ever seen has got that. The one in JFK has got it. Really? Yes. Oh my God. It's still standing there. Yeah, Kiehl's is not like,
1: I don't know. It's never done anything like revolutionary for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but like people who use it swear by it.
0: Yeah, I think there are yeah. there are certain... I've gone to like
1: plenty of Kills dinners. I probably won't after this interview, but um yeah, I just like every white man I know uses yeah. Kills.
0: Yeah, some kind of really. finance
1: bro. They love Kills and Aesop, like it's crazy.
0: <laughs> okay, so our last segment is
1: That was it for the brands? Yeah. Oh,
0: oh wait, why? Should I throw in a couple more? No, go ahead. Other
1: and No. No. Did you not drag it? That was just so easy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I have the wheel of nosiness. Yes. The wheel of nosiness is a little uh, self populated wheel of questions Mm -hmm. that I have created. Mm -hmm. Basically, you're going to click the center of it and it's going to spit one out randomly and you've got to answer it. Here is said wheel. Please click the center of the wheel and it will generate a
1: question. Yes. Personal fashion icon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My personal fashion. Okay, I have a few. Okay. So my first like personal fashion icon. Oh my God. Diane Keaton. Yes. Diane Keaton. Scott always calls my outfits Keaton coded. Like, I mean, I'm not very actually I am. I'm kind of Diane Keaton now. You know what she does like her little like grunge thing? <laughs> I am. Um Diane Keaton. hmm Rosie Huntington-Whiteley. I think she has incredible style. She does. Rihanna. I think she's like the she is master my, class of personal style. She is my pinnacle. Victoria Beckham. Icon. Oh,
0: true. Honestly,
1: I feel like Birkins are popular because of Victoria Beckham.
0: This woman, nonstop, for a certain number of years, during her like wag years. A new
1: Birkin every single photo op. Every single. Yes. Every single. Mm-hmm. I think she's the reason why exotics are, like, such a big thing and so sought after at Hermes.
0: But I kind of love the fact that she doesn't really wear them now. No. I kind of love that she's, I actually she's saw like...
1: her in New York the other day and she actually carried one. Oh,
0: really? Which one?
1: She had, like, a just a, pr- like, flat brown Birkin. Okay. Because she's been, like... She's been she's been back on the scene. Oh, If you've noticed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's wearing heels again. This is the thing. Yeah.
0: This woman with, like, a bell-bottom trouser yes. and a heel
1: okay sidebar yes like i could talk about victoria beckham all day one (laughs) yes like when she became like when she first launched victoria beckham the collection Mm -hmm. and i remember when she like it was like roland moray cody you remember roland moray
0: because i i very much do because I think they have like I a believe, little
1: beef for something. But
0: I thought he like, worked for the brand initially. I or maybe like he, I just thought that because it like was very. I think he can very, salt it, but then
1: if I'm like, not, it was not, very. It was v- if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. they had like a beef because he felt like she was copying him at some well, point. Well, I'm
0: not surprised because it was very copying.
1: All of her dresses were very like Roller Marie coated. I mean, they were netaporte staples. Yes. And I remember when she she used to do um collaboration like for the shoes with Brian Atwood. Yes. In one season, mm-hmm. he did a rose gold pump and it was based off her rose gold Rolex. And I thought that was so bad. <laughs> like I just thought that was so bad. Oh my god! I thought that was so fast. I'm obsessed. With Any icon remembers Victoria Beckham denim, Victoria Beckham eyewear. Do you
0: remember when Victoria Beckham did a denim collaboration with Rock and
1: Republic? Yes. Do you remember she was in um a Rock Aware ad campaign?
0: This, you know what icon? We've got to give this one. I need across. a
1: documentary. Yeah. I need like a not that Skype shit that she did with her brand. No, I need like a I need a Netflix three part documentary on the life of Posh. Yes. It should just be called posh.
0: With posh. like a little bit, and I want it italic. Yes. Yeah.
1: Posh. <laughs> yeah. <Posh. laughs> this is fun.
0: Thank you. I'm glad you enjoy.
1: Recent fashion purchase you regret buying. Recent fashion purchase I regret buying. It's going to sound so bad, but like all my Loire bags, I really regret buying them. I don't wear them. Um and they're so hard to use like they're very bit, stiff and small.
0: They're a bit angular for me.
1: They're little like they are very hard to to wear. Mm-hmm. Fashion brand you're excited about. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um definitely Christopher John Rogers. That's like CJR. I mean that's my friend, my sister. He literally just texted me. Um
0: just drop that in there. Nice little name drop. Yeah, it was a good. To... <laughs> Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? The <gasps> best besties Christopher John Rogers. <laughs>
1: We haven't seen Can't each other relax. in a minute. But I think he's, like, one of the most talented designers ever. I mean,
0: very much carving his own lane.
1: Like, I mean. You
0: look at, a, at mm-hmm. one of his pieces. You know it's him. It's instantly recognizable. Mm-hmm. And there is nobody doing what he's doing. I mean, like,
1: I've never seen my like, cut a trouser like him. Clothes that just fit. Like, his clothes truly give me joy. And, and like,
0: the use of color is.
1: The use of color is incredible. And I love how, like, he does, like. It's honestly his designs really are minimal, mm. but they're like complex. High they're high impact. Like he makes like a cargo pant look like a ball gown. Like he's he's just incredible. I love him. I'm really excited about this new Phoebe Philo thing.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Um, I think a lot of people are gonna be disappointed, but I'm <laughs> well, excited to see what it's gonna be. With
0: anything that gets that much hype, there's going to be a, I, I a want lot the girls to
1: know they're gonna be disappointed. <laughs> but
0: Prepare yourselves It'll be great. for disappointment.
1: Um, so I haven't answered any question directly.
0: No, but either way, we've eventually gotten to the answer. So that's all
1: that <laughs> matters. I, I'm and back on a Prada thing now.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah.
1: yeah. I was like 2020, 2021, I was on a Prada thing. Mm-hmm. Like I was like the Prada doll. Like That's what everybody knew me for. Now, I don't – I mean, I just did like a little Prada haul, but – I don't buy Prada as much because, mm-hmm. honestly, I don't know. The raft thing. I'm, like, a little indifferent about. And I don't know how I feel about a lot of the new things. Like, the new men's shoes, everybody was, like, gagging over going. I was like, yeah. Like, I feel like, I'm, I, feel like I buy product out of obligation now.
0: Really? Yeah. Because it's, like, a hot thing.
1: Because, it's like, I'm like, I not like I have to have it.
0: Okay. And
1: I know, like, when I wear it, like, people are going to gag over it. <laughs> but it's like this is
0: this is your virgo scheming in full I know. in full action i know mm-hmm.
1: like listen the thing is i know i have great taste oh yeah but sometimes my taste isn't for me like for sometimes sometimes
0: it's, so, it's for the likes sometimes it's
1: like to inspire others you know Cause like some, I feel like also when like you're, when you work in like a creative field. Mm-hmm. Like now with my job, like I get like photographed a lot. I go to a lot of events. Yeah, so like you just want like new, fresh things. You've got a lot
0: of opportunities to turn out a look.
1: Exactly. It's and true. it's like well, if
0: and sometimes you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. Very true. And you're like, you know what?
1: And I'm that's the like kind of stuff. Like I just bought like this Versace one shoulder thing. You
0: know I approve.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's so fab. I'm gonna show you later. Okay. But like, it's just like this Versace like. This side is sleeveless and this side is a long sleeve, Mm -hmm. but it like laces up the side. It has like a like semi like high neck. It's really fab. Okay. And like Sean two years ago would have never worn that. Yeah. But I also think like with age, with like your taste developing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. More
1: comfort in like who you are as a person, how you present yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, as you become more comfortable with your body, like your taste kind of comes it into its own it evolves. Yeah. And I feel like right now I'm in such a good style space. Like mm. I know what I like. I yeah. know what I want. I know what's for me. I love sunglasses though. Mm. I think mean, that's what I probably
0: collect Have and the buy most. the most.
1: I buy shoes the least.
0: And I think I do shoes the most. Really? Yeah. Really? I'm a very, very like bags? Like yeah, I will readily buy a shoe like this. Whereas See, with bags, I'll think about it more. Also
1: feel like that's also like a gender thing too.
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: Like you can like buy more beautiful shoes. They're not like a lot of beautiful men's shoes. They're not.
0: They're all practical.
1: It's like all practical. Like my ex boyfriend used to make fun of. He's like, you like have every loafer ever made, and, and it's I like, do listen, because like I've it's, not like, got sh- much
0: choice. Here. Literally,
1: I feel like I've gotten like the most beautiful pairs that was available to <laughs> yeah. me. Like the trying to like differentiate them mm-hmm. but like i really like i'm like i want like a shoe brand for like men to come out that just makes like beautiful well-sculptured like boots
0: interesting and, which is
1: things. why i do love prada yeah because they do make more interesting shoe wear for men
0: that's true well thank you so much for being here thank you for having I me i had a riotous time this was
1: fun i know
0: this was um, so fun. please tell everybody where they can find you
1: You can find me on any street corner um, (laughs) with my legs open and my heart wide, honey. (laughs) That
0: was fantastic. That was fantastic.
1: You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. It's all Sean Garrett. Two R's, two T's, and an E at the end.
0: I love it. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're watching it here. Subscribe on anywhere you listen to podcasts and throw me a five-star review. Thank you very much. I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.